Well, good morning to you all. I'm Dan Meyer, Senior Pastor of Christ Church, and welcome to our classic worship service being brought to you today from the sanctuary of our Oak Brook campus. Uh, there aren't too many of us here in the building, physically speaking, today, but I know that there are thousands of us gathered now, connected to God and to one another, as we uh, come before him to glorify his name and seek his wisdom. Uh, you are coming to us from all over Chicagoland, from across the country, and even from some other countries around the world, and it is just great to be together uh, to celebrate the Lord and to uh, worship in this way. Uh, I want to just share with you my sense of joy that you uh, have taken hold of this new tool that we call live stream worship. I know for some of you that's a new experience and to perhaps help orient you a little bit to this experience, I want to mention a couple of details about it. If you have unmaximized uh, your browser window, you'll see that we've provided four different channels for you that are noted right below the window from which I am speaking to you. Uh, each of those channels offers you access to an experience of worship that is customized uh, for what may be your particular interest. Channels 1 and 2 and Facebook Live uh, offer a marvelous chat feature. And we have posted marvelous hosts from our church staff, pastors of our congregation as well, who are looking forward to interacting with you in the course of the service. If you'd like to let us uh, know who you are, uh, share anything that's going on in your life, perhaps even let us know about prayer requests or your observations or response to our time of worship, uh, the others that are joining with you today will be blessed. Think of it almost like that time in the service when we uh, reach out to greet each other. Uh, if you'd prefer an experience that is a little quieter, I encourage you select channel three as we have turned off the chat feature on that particular, particular window. Some of the other tabs that are there in the interface give you access to an online Bible, to the order of worship for today, and to a uh, portal into the giving uh, ministry of our church. Uh, thank you so much for what you are all doing to help keep us strong and steady as a church family during this uh, particular time. Uh, before we enter into our worship service today, I do want to just quickly give you some postings on some news of our family. Uh, when we gather here again together next week, it's going to be Palm Sunday. And at 9 o'clock at this service, we're going to be rebroadcasting the magnificent Passion Oratorio, a musical extravaganza, an extraordinary retelling of the final week of the life of Jesus. It's an unforgettable uh, experience. You'll want to let friends and neighbors know to watch with you as well. And uh, to give you a little taste of what that's about, we've prepared this brief video. by Greg Nelson, performed by our 105-voice choir, 40-piece orchestra, and amazing professional soloists, featuring lyric opera of Chicago tenor William Combs portraying Jesus. The, the, the Passion 
Come see it in all of its glory at our Christchurch Oakbrook campus for two performances on Palm Sunday. That marvelous musical and worship offering will be there for you at 9 o'clock. And then it will be rebroadcast and made available on demand throughout the rest of the day, Palm Sunday. Also at 10.45, we will have a live stream contemporary worship service at which I will be continuing our series of reflections on the words of Jesus uh, from the cross. Then on Good Friday, the 10th of April, we're going to gather together at 7.30 p.m. to remember the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. And it will be a time when we not only uh, look to the words of Jesus once more and remember the wonder of what he did for us there, but we'll also celebrate Holy Communion together. And we're going to be encouraging you to do that in your homes. And we'll provide help and instruction with that as we get closer. Then on Easter Sunday, we'll have a variety of wonderful celebrations taking place. Uh, stay tuned uh, to our website and to our weekly e-news for more information about specific times uh, for those celebrations. Uh, speaking of the weekly e-news, this is a marvelous time to sign up for our weekly update. If you've not already registered online to receive this information uh, sent to your uh, mailbox on, an, on a regular basis, uh, just follow the instructions that we're providing for you on the screen and you can easily gain access to this terrific portal into all kinds of, of additional resources to help you in your worship growth and service. I hope it has become obvious to you that we have not canceled church. We've just simply reorganized ourselves uh, to be the church in our time, to offer help uh, to the needy and uh, Christian perspective on these times. Uh, it's just a moment when we are rising together as a church family uh, to honor God's purposes uh, in this world. Uh, so we hope that, once again, you will uh, take advantage of the many resources available to you through our church's website, a whole menu of amazing uh, possibilities for you there, and send others there uh, as well. Note that we have posted on our website now in the update section for March the 28th a very helpful new resource uh, from a, a significant uh, medical expert that tells us a lot more about uh, COVID-19 and how we can creatively respond uh, to the needs of this moment. And now I just want to invite you to take a deep breath, uh, perhaps pour another cup of coffee, find a comfortable seat, and most importantly, open your heart and mind to God. Because wherever we are right now, he is ready to meet us. And wherever two or three are gathered in my name, says Jesus, I will be there in the midst. Let's prepare ourselves now as we are led into the worship of God. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with surging, nations are in an uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord God Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go.
Friends in Christ, let us join our voices in song as we sing praises to the one who is our refuge and strength, both today and forevermore.
Please join with me as we bow our heads and make our confession. Most holy God, all-powerful Father, we come to you this morning knowing you are waiting to meet us. We are eager to worship you in spirit and in truth, eager to hear a word from you during these difficult days, eager to be comforted by the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your promise to be with us always and to uphold us and empower us with your grace. We thank you, O Lord, for providing for our every need in times of joy and in times of sorrow. You have always been faithful, O God, through all the seasons of our lives, and this season is no different. In the midst of the trials we face, we know we also need to make our confessions, to ask for your forgiving love, to admit where we have gone astray, and to honestly ask for your forgiveness. And so we admit, dear Lord, as individuals and as the church, that we often fail to trust you completely with our lives. We don't always trust the fact that you are in control, that nothing can separate us from your love, that the end of the story for those who put their faith and trust in you is a glorious new day. So cleanse us of our sin, O God, and forgive us for all the ways we avoid seeing you and during your will. Forgive our shallowness, our greed, our need to always be secure, and grant us your heart, your mind, and your strength so we are transformed into your image. Forgive us for the sake of Jesus, who died on the cross to save us, and is whose name we humbly pray, amen. And now let us hear the good news. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone and a new life has begun. Let us believe this good news for in Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Of weeds. 
Jesus paid it all, and so we lift our hearts and minds unto him as we bow our heads in prayer. Almighty and powerful God, in this season of Lent, as we make our journey to the cross, we give thanks for your redeeming love in our lives. We've come to this hour seeking to examine our lives and to recognize our need to repent. We acknowledge that the light of our human wisdom cannot drive the darkness of sin from our hearts. We know we need to do an about face on those habits and behaviors that keep us from bearing fruit and sharing with others the spiritual gifts that you've given to each and every one of us. You know where we've slipped and fallen. You know the areas in which we are especially vulnerable to temptation. And so we pray that you would sustain us in our journey through Lent and give us the willingness to do the loving thing and to be faithful in the small acts of caring for others. We are brothers and sisters to one another, O Lord, so we pray, give to each of us an extra measure of your grace and care in the weeks ahead. Keep us close to you through this difficult season and grant us a kindness and a patience that is worthy of our life in you. We are confident, O God, that you are in control of this world and even when we are fearful of that which is invisible to our eyes, we know that nothing surprises you and nothing can escape your mighty hand. And so this morning we pray in the power of Jesus' name to stop the spread of COVID-19. We pray it will continue to recede from this day forward and that the numbers of the infected will decline rapidly. We pray for the body of Christ worldwide, that the church would rise up to pray and to support the sick and their caregivers in practical and sacrificial ways. We pray for the church to be a light on a hill in hospitals, communities, and cities where God has placed them. And we pray for the outpouring of love, compassion, and service in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, to take your word to our hearts when you say to us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to walk with us to the cross, for in your presence we find light in our darkness, strength in our weakness, joy in our tears, and new life out of death. For this we give thanks as we rededicate ourselves to accepting the cost and the joy of discipleship in Jesus, our faithful Savior, in whose name we humbly pray together by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, throughout the ages, the Church of Jesus Christ has always extended her compassion to people in need, 
no matter how challenging those circumstances might be. We are the hands and feet of our Savior, committed to bringing practical assistance and hope to the downtrodden. The Bible says you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. In this season of social distancing, Christ Church is proactively reaching out with staff and Stephen ministers, elders, prayer team ministers, and many more to offer hope and help to Christ Church members and those in the community around us who are at most risk. We are buying groceries, picking up medications, delivering supplies, and offering telecare to lonely and isolated people in need. And our food pantry team is ready to assist anyone who is struggling financially by providing bags of groceries stocked with food and supplies. This is an opportunity for all of us to reach out in love, no matter who you are. We can do this by phoning or email or texting a friend, a neighbor, an acquaintance, another family member, just to check in with them and to offer words of encouragement and hope. Your generous spirit towards others is one way you too can be the hands and feet of Christ during these uncertain times. But our generosity is not solely about giving of our time and talents. We should also strive to be generous with our treasure so the outreach of Christ Church remains as strong as ever. In addition to reaching out to the people in our circles of influence, we are also committed to helping our domestic and global mission partners stay whole during this season. I've been in touch with many of them, and they too are discovering new and innovative ways to continue their ministry of sharing the gospel with their own communities. Because of your generosity in the past, we're also able to offer many of our own thriving ministries, like our men's ministry, our women's and older adult ministries, all online now, ready to be viewed in your homes. Don't ever stop praying. And please continue to be generous like you always have been during this season of opportunity. Today you can support the mission of God's work in a number of different ways. You can always write a check and send it into the church. Or you can use your cell phone to text CCOB or Butterfield to the number that you see on your screen. 77977. You can also go to our website and look for the Give Online box and use that to submit his tithe and your offerings. Your generosity to Christ Church has a powerful impact on people near and far. So please take a few moments now as you are listening to the beauty of the music that you're about to hear, to reflect once again on how you can continue to support the ministries of Jesus himself, the one who gave it all so that we might live.
If ever there was a time when the scriptures are significant for us, it's this particular season we're in. Because the unchanging word of God, the voice of the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, uh, is able to speak to us even in the tumultuous times that we're in. If you have a copy of the Bible in your home, I trust uh, all of us have multiple copies around the home. Uh, I invite you to take out that book with me and to turn to the 19th chapter of John's gospel as we listen to the words of the scriptures. Hear then the word of the Lord. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them. 
with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you please pray with me? And now, O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. You who are our rock and our great redeemer. Amen. How do you think of God? What do you picture when the name of God arises in a sentence? How even on this day, as you sit where you are and imagine his presence with you, as I hope you will, how do you picture him? How do you understand him? I will confess that in many occasions, I am inclined to think of God as something of a disembodied kind of perfection. In the words of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, I learned as a seminary student, I have been taught to think of God as a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. In other words, God is beyond me. God never ever has to shave or worry about his hair. God never stubs a toe or gets wrinkles with age. He never sits at home going stir-crazy as many of us are right now. He doesn't get eye burn or backache from sitting too long and zooming his way through conference calls. He, God never worries about having enough money or whether his resources will recover. He never is concerned about slicing a tea shot or overcooking a meal. God is above all of that. He is perfect in and unto himself. And that's all true. It is just not the whole truth about God. Uh, Jesus 
shows us the larger truth about God. And he once said that whoever has seen me, meaning himself, has seen the Father. Those who know me will have a window into knowing the fullness of the Father. And what Jesus shows us, especially in these words that come to us from the cross today, is that in spite of his massive perfection, God nonetheless thirsts. Now when I say that, I don't mean that God longs for a comforting beverage at the, long, at the end of a long day, as if God were some larger version simply of ourselves. Uh, the reality is that we are not even smaller versions of him, though we've got God's fingerprints upon us, though we bear his image and his likeness. We are, in most other ways, entirely different sorts of beings. We are finite creatures and God is infinite. Even in the heavenly experience we will know one day we will still be creatures and he will still be the amazing creator. And yet in the words that rasp from the lips of Jesus, from the uh, harshly torn throat of Jesus upon the cross, we are given an insight, I'm convinced, into the longing of God. Now on one level, and in the most plain sense of the text that we read in John chapter 19, we're being given evidence here that through the person of his son, God knows what it's like to experience physical pangs and pains like we do in this life. I had the chance to talk this week with three different uh, members of three different households now suffering with the coronavirus. And to hear from their own lips what this experience was like for them. They said how their whole head and body ached, felt almost like glass at times. Your throat is, is raw and sore from coughing violently. In its most extreme expressions, uh, this virus makes you struggle with every single breath to just get enough air and you fear that you're going to suffocate. In other words, the COVID-19 is a minor introduction into what it would be like to be crucified. Remarkably, it's a tiny little glimpse of what it would be to endure what Jesus endured. The cross of Christ tells us that when we are going through physical agony, Jesus understands. Maybe you're sick right now yourself. Maybe you're struggling with an appetite that you don't know how to satisfy. Maybe you're experiencing some form of physical ache or agony for which you have a desperate desire for relief. What I would say to you is, Jesus understands you. How he completely understands you. As the prophet Isaiah said of the Christ, he is familiar with pain, acquainted with grief and sorrow. There is perhaps 
Also, I think another level of meaning to these words of Jesus from the cross when he says, I'm thirsty. Over the centuries, theologians have suggested that Christ's physical thirst for water is also a pointer to the even greater spiritual thirst that God has for communion with his, create, his creatures, with those he has created. Before I go further with that particular idea, let me be very quick to qualify what I'm going to say. Sometimes I will hear people, you probably have heard it as well, uh, people will describe God as if he was like some smitten sophomore sitting at home on a Saturday night, wishing that the object of his desire would, would call or text or post him in some way. He's just needy. Sometimes people speak of God as if he needs people in these ways. They, they speak almost as if God can't get along without humanity, that he created human beings so he would not be so lonely, so he would have company. Sometimes people speak this way about the infinite God. But this isn't even close to the reality. The truth is that within the mystery of the Trinity, God was and is complete in and of himself. He is probably the only being in the universe who could do this whole shelter at home thing forever and be fine with it, <laughs> perfectly fine with it. But having chosen out of his awesome grace to create you and me and this whole universe out of nothingness, having chosen to breathe something of himself into human life and to give us each amazing, unique identity, having made these decisions, God does now pay a price for his decision. God now feels for what he's made. I gained a, a simple insight into this reality the day that our first son, Rush, learned how to walk. I vividly remember the day and where we were in the family room of our home. One minute our little child was crawling around on the floor and the next he was taking staggering steps across the room from my arms to Amy's arms. It was just one of those fantastic family moments many of you know from experience. Uh, we, we were fumbling with the video camera. We were gushing with such excitement. We were absolutely over the moon at this event. And on a micro level, what we were experiencing is that Amy and I were feeling for what we had made. We were identifying with the child that we had made. A few minutes later, Amy had to go into the kitchen uh, for some reason and not wanting to lose the moment, I helped our son rush to his faltering feet and I gave him a little push in the direction of the sofa just across the room. And Rush took about four steps out into the middle of the family room and he stopped there and swaying kind of like a drunken soldier, he struggled to hold on to his balance and I thought that he was going to fall and I started to move so I could help him to prevent him from falling or to pick him up and then just as I moved to catch him before he toppled, 
our child made a quarter turn and walked right out of the room. (laughs) And my mouth dropped open. It was a defining moment for him and for us as parents. There was the instant surge of pride and joy over his achievement, over his independence that swept uh, over us. And almost simultaneously, I felt a wash in feelings of grief that I still find it hard to describe. It was like one of those movie moments in a sense when I could see the price of the freedom (laughs) that we'd helped our child to gain. I I, I could see into the future. I could imagine him as a middle schooler telling me that I was full of it and storming out of the room. I, I could see him going off to college and not even bothering to call us daily, (laughs) God forbid. I could see him striking off on his own and hanging out with people that I wish he wouldn't have chosen as friends or making decisions that I wish that he wouldn't or experiencing pains that I could not protect him from. I could see him losing touch with his dear old dad. The kid lives in Boston now. He's a Red Sox fan for gosh sake. (laughs) That's how far people go. And so much further. I know I'm not saying anything that is particularly new to you who are parents, but as I felt my throat tighten and tears well up in my eyes that day, I suspected I had maybe been given a tiny insight, a little glimpse into the cosmic thirsting of God for the beloved that he has made. For a split second, I saw something of the awesome agony of a God who loves his children so much that he lets them choose their own way, hoping against hope that there will come a time when they will elect to return to him and the bond will become even more perfect than when they were young, than as that bond had been with humanity in the beginning. But what, what if they don't return? What if they don't come back? The great Catholic preacher, Bishop Fulton Sheen, says that in the fourth words of Christ from the cross, the cry of forsakenness, we are encountering the suffering of a man without God. But in these fifth words, the cry of thirst, We are meeting the suffering of God without man. We encounter a God who has literally poured himself out in every conceivable way for his children. He has poured out his creative power to fashion a world in which they might live. He has poured out his word to guide them through life. He has poured out his grace to lift them up each and every time that they fell. He has poured out even some aspects 
of his divinity in becoming a human being to meet his children in the flesh. And there on the cross, in the most supremely representative way possible, now God pours out his very life's blood to wash his children clean of the judgment of sin. Have you ever poured yourself out completely? Have you ever poured yourself out till there was almost nothing of you left in childbirth, in an athletic event, in a tremendous Herculean effort of work? Have you ever done this and in that moment found yourself saying, as Christ does from the cross, I am thirsty? How can you not pour out so much of yourself and not rasp for replenishment? Psychologist Eric Fromm, one of the most famous in that field, once wrote that there are two kinds of love. And these two different kinds of love have to be very carefully distinguished. There is a form of immature love, says Fromm. An immature love says, I love you because I need you. In other words, my love is conditioned by whether you're meeting my needs. I have this heart for you because you're meeting my needs. There is, however, another form of love, says Fromm. It is mature love. And mature love says, I need you because I love you. My need for you grows out of the fact that I love you so. Sometimes I think we are afraid to be vulnerable about the love we have for people. We often hide our deepest longings. We often give only very limited expressions of our sense of deep bondedness and connection with other people in our life, the people with whom we're working and playing and living on a normal basis. Maybe we're worried that if we actually confessed our thirst, they would see us as weak. Maybe we're concerned that if we actually admitted how our heart rasps for communion with them, they would see us and feel uncomfortable. Or we'd merely be stating what they should probably already know that we feel about them. But if, if God himself could say, I am thirsty, why can't we If you are with someone else right now, I encourage you to turn to them and tell them that you love them. I encourage you to share with them today what you are most thirsty for in your life. Maybe you could call up somebody close to you today or sometime in this week and just tell them about a longing you have that you wish could be satisfied. Or, or maybe turn to God in prayer 
today, right now, sometime in these hours to come, and just admit to God this longing that you feel for a good that you want to see satisfied that has not yet been satisfied. Tell someone that because you love them and because you admire them so much, you really need their unique gifts. You thirst after their counsel. You have a longing for their encouragement in your life. Be as vulnerable as Jesus from the cross. Is there any better way to affirm the beauty and the worth of another person? Is there any better way to open the door to a deeper kind of communion with them than to say to them what God has already said to you and me, I need you because I love you so. God loves you so. The cross proves how much he loves you. In those words of Jesus from the cross, we gain an awesome insight into the nature of God. We discover how much he thirsts after a relationship with human beings. We find, secondly, a vivid illustration of of a means by which you and I can actually deepen our communion with the important people in our lives by expressing a vulnerability that says, I thirst for you. I need you. But the final blessing here is that we're given an invitation too. We're given an invitation to help address the thirsting of God. And I invite you to think about that with me. When Jesus confessed his thirst that day, it was not for rhetorical effect. He didn't just say it. He clearly hoped that someone would do something about that. He hoped that someone hearing this cry would address that longing. The Bible says, and I quote, that a jar of wine vinegar was there, I assume at the foot of the cross. And so one of the Roman soldiers soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it up to the lips of Jesus. Now commentators through the years on this particular part of the scriptures have developed a theory about why they did that. Uh, Some of those commentators have suggested that this action was just a further attempt to torture Jesus, to torment Jesus. He would hate the taste of this cheap tasting vinegar wine and and the soldiers delighted in tormenting him that way that's one of the theories going I don't hold the theory I don't think that's what's going on here at all I think that that's just the thinking of people who have had uh, too much good chardonnay or, or just don't appreciate how thirsty you are when you're hanging from a cross 
The way I reckon it, the average soldier's pay and palate hasn't changed a whole lot over the centuries. These Roman soldiers didn't keep cheap wine around them in order to torture their prisoners. They kept the bargain stuff handy to drink it themselves. The scriptures go on to say that at least one of these guys recognized by the end that Jesus Christ was truly the Son of God. And so I don't think that the elevated sponge was an act of contempt. I think it was an act of mercy. Of mercy. Confronted with the thirst of God's Messiah, at least one of those soldiers chose to try to satisfy it with the best resource he had available to him. What's the lesson for you and me in this? Do you know that it is within your power to respond to the thirst of God? What God wants more than anything else is the liquid of your life and mine. That's what God wants. If you have never given Jesus your heart and life before, and the heart is in a sense a symbol for the liquid of our life, right? That which, which is most us. If you've never given him that treasure before, I want to invite you to do that today. To say, Jesus, here I am. I am yours. And then let me or one of the other pastors of our church know that you've done that so that we can suggest some next steps. If you've already made that commitment, then raise to the lips of Christ something else that will refresh his hope today. Jesus once said that whatever you do for one of even the least of my brothers or sisters, you are doing for me. And so do something for someone else. Extend mercy and help to someone else this week. Forgive somebody who's done you wrong. Speak the truth to somebody that may be wandering down an unhelpful or destructive road. Refuse to be part of a continuing activity or enterprise that you know is against the will of God. Or dedicate yourself to some cause that you know is furthering the will and purposes of God. Recommit yourself to excellence in the little things of life and the work that you're given to do. Really pay attention to the people within your reach the people within your home, the people you could find on the phone, even today. Tell someone how much Jesus means to you. Invite somebody to join you in this broadcast later today or next week. Here's the action step. Soak the sponge of your soul with something life-giving. Offer it up to Jesus and offer it up to somebody he loves 
and do this for him. And I believe that if you do, you will discover that as you satisfy the thirst of God and of other people, God will satisfy more of yours. Please pray with me. Great Lord God, we sit in awe this day that you who have made the vast oceans of this earth, that you have made the vast sky above, should yet thirst for relationship with us. Keep us from ever forgetting that within each soul there lies a longing to love and to be loved. Give to us the capacity to bless others with expressions of our need of them and so deepen the bonds of friendship and love between us. Then grant, O God, that we may return to you who has poured out the very wine of heaven for us, some refreshing moisture from the raised sponge of our lives this week. For this we pray in the name of Jesus our Lord. And all God's people said together, Amen. Amen.
It's been just so wonderful to have you sharing in this time of worship with us today. And I hope and pray that there's been something in this conversation we've had or in the songs that we've sung or the prayers that we've offered that will stick with you. If you're using the chat feature in the live stream, uh, maybe share that with others that are worshiping alongside of you today. What was the takeaway for you? Where did God stir in your heart? And then we would love it if you'd stay in touch with us uh, throughout this week to come. If there's anything that you feel we should know about what's going on in your life, write to us at help at Christchurch.us. If you have a heart to help meet needs, that's also a place where you can register your thoughts and your concerns. Once again, we hope you'll go to our website and see all of the great resources that we provided there for this particular season. And now, beloved, listen to these words from the scriptures themselves. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace this day and his hope forevermore. Amen. Amen.